Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the Wrist Cheese Radio Podcast. We are on episode 33 here in your home for the horological hot takes, the taboo topics, and the often unpopular watch opinions. I'm your co-host, Brodinky. With me, as always, is my friend Schmidt. Schmidt, what's shaking, buddy? Nothing much, man. Another week back-to-back recording pods, so I'm happy to be here. Getting ready to to have a ramped up, busy travel schedule, so I'm glad we're able to squeeze an episode in before I hit the road again. Um, but excited, man! A lot of crazy things going on in the world of watches. Some people sneaking out some releases that we'll touch on here in a minute. But uh, things are going great. How about with you? Did you have a good uh, Memorial Day weekend? Yeah, I'm finally recovering from all the psychological trauma and uh, the smell of shellfish, so that's good. Did the lobsters cry? Uh, I don't know. I just whacked them. They're they're dead by the time they get to me. <laughs> you don't hear just a boiling pot of cries from yeah. the other room, just nonstop. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the shrill screaming of the steam escaping under their shells. No, I can't say I do. Uh, other than that, just been losing a lot of sleep because uh, the Rangers are doing big things in the playoffs. So exciting times here in New York. Teams are all playing pretty well, which is a rarity okay. recently. So that's okay. nice um yeah that's kind of it at the moment um we got some interesting stuff on the docket this week i think but first as you said there were kind of a lot of releases recently yeah there have been and i didn't i didn't realize until we started talking about it before because i had a few coming into this and then you're like what about this one and this one and this one and i was like well i mean damn you know, this- <laughs> there's a lot of time lapse that happens when you're clubbing you know lobsters for rich people so i mean it just it is one of those things sometimes you catch it sometimes you don't yeah so let's kick it off um i think one that's been on sort of everybody's radar today and it seems to be pretty well received from what i've seen uh i know from talking about it, neither you nor I are specifically crazy about it, but this Oris Holstein 2022 situation, it's a world time. Uh, Certainly interesting. You get interesting points for that. I, I mean, the complication is nice, yeah. right? Like it's like a travel timer, world timer, or whatever you want to call it. Um, I just... The thing is that this watch is designed to look like a watch that came out in the 90s. And in the two thousands, was that a particularly strong period of design for watches? No, it was certainly <laughs> not. And and I know we're not going to help our case here, trying to get a pink dial watch for uh, for real real men wear pink. But um, I'm just not a fan of this full steel collection. This is something that came out a while ago. This is a relaunch for this collection, and some people are all on the train for this watch. I I'm one of those people that's like, you know what? I'm glad the train left the station because I'm not, I'm just not here for. Like I saw this watch, I thought somebody was posting a throwback to the 2000s, to the late 90s, a, an era of just arguably really bad watches in terms of style. Now, in terms of complications and movements and all that stuff, the, the, the 90s and 2000s were fantastic. But how they incorporated that style into the creation of the watches, it missed the mark. And we've touched on this before. This is one of those watches that immediately just looks like it's dated. You know, it just it like it just feels like it's trying to be futuristic and, you know, in tune with what the future is going to hold. And it's just 
missing the mark. And I have to say, you know, Oris has been on a on a roll. Really have lately. This one just isn't doing it for me. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess you can get away with. It. I know it's a very small limited run. I think it was like two fifty or something. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, it is. It is. I know you can get kind of cute with stuff like that. Like obviously, it's not for everybody. Kind of similar to the the U fifty Pro I was talking about. It's only one hundred fifty pieces. So even if that ten o'clock round doesn't go over huge, like not a big deal. One hundred fifty pieces. You know what I mean? So. At yeah. the end of the day, is it like a, a big faux pas? No. And we get it. It's 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 a reissue and it's kind of harkening back to something that was sort of like a bit of a marvel in its own right. But like you said, it's a, it almost reminds me of sort of like those aesthetics like like the Brosnan Bond Seamaster, right? That is very 90s. Yes, for sure. You know what I mean? Like you look at that and you could just tell it came from the 90s. And I love the Bond Seamaster, but it's just it's what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, that's why Omega, when they decided to 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 redo it in, in 2018, you pay tribute to that particular piece, but it you you've improved it to make it look modern, you know? And this watch, it just it it feels like all the old school orises that I see on eBay when I'm like scrolling for watches late at night. Yeah, those old pointer like, dates I look at. Yeah, and it just like <laughs> pops up on my feed. Or like the old school like Oris divers before they came out with the Aquas line. Like, yeah. it's just like they're nice, but they're just old. They feel dated. And this is just one of those watches that that certainly does that for me. Now, again, like you said, it's a super small production run. It's 250 pieces. It's a 36.5 millimeter case. Does it look thick to you? I can't, I have no grasp I, on the thickness. It I, looks thick, but... I, I, I don't can't make know. it out. I was looking for a number. I couldn't find Um, Yeah. On their website, it's not listed either. It just says 36.5 is, is, the, is the diameter. Um, I don't know. I, I can't imagine it's too thick, but, you know, again, I, I haven't seen a full steel in person. It looks like it has very long lugs um, for its kind of, you know, case dimensions because they they're almost like hooded like they come Yeah, it's got out. some protrusion going on. Yes, yes. So, it'll be interesting to see how this fits on everyone's wrist, especially those who may have smaller ones. Um the Oris bears on the back there, um which is kind of cool. He's kind of like in a little like you know, early aviator type um wardrobe thing going on. But uh it's a, it's an interesting watch. It's got a lot of buttons. You know, one on either side of the case, you got the big crown. So it'll be interesting to see who loves this watch. There's people who've already been raving about it. I am not one of those people. So this is a miss for me. And again, I think that's okay. Like, it, it seems like no matter what, well, first of all, let me backtrack on that. Having a social presence and a podcast is quite the interesting double-edged sword because no matter what you say, whether you like something or don't like something, there's always somebody who finds your inbox to try to tell you how much of a D-bag you are. Yeah, for sure. What I would like to clarify, I guess, is that people need to realize that like when I think about a watch like this, I'm thinking about it from my point of view as if I would consider buying this. Yes. Like I'm not just out here. I'm not out here just running down the specs and giving you like a review of, oh, it has this and this. No, no. I'm like, would I buy this personally? Like, does this connect with me and my tastes? Like, would I consider going after this? And for me, it's a no. That doesn't yeah. mean that it's a bad watch. It doesn't mean I don't like the company. It doesn't mean I have a personal vendetta against anybody. Right? No, exactly. Exactly. I mean, again, we've talked about Oris at great length before. I have a Diver 65. I love the watch. 
like I said, it needs a service, but it's just that time, you know, but, you know, we talked about the Pro Pilot X that they just came out with earlier at Watches and Wonders with the, you know, the pastel dials. That's a cool watch. We've talked about the Big Crown before. You and I both love that watch. I would want to add one to my collection. There's a lot of cool pieces that Oris has been putting out recently that I think is really, really nice. And especially, you know, based around the new 400 caliber series, like that is really cool stuff. With the technology that they're pumping out is great. This watch for me, and again, it, it's probably why it's a limited edition of 250 pieces, is just because they know that this is going to be a little bit more polarizing. Some people are going to love it. A lot of people are probably not going to be on board with it, and that's okay. You know, 250 pieces is a true limited edition. It'll go fairly quickly to those who really want it, and the rest of us will just be left buying divers. That's, that's fine. Okay. All right, moving on. Uh, did you want to throw one out? I, I, I went with the first one. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, there's been a lot of cool stuff. And today we're recording on uh, on the 1st of, of, uh, of June, um, which is fantastic because we've had some new watches that got released today, specifically one of the watches that I'm really, really keen on myself, which is the new Longines Ultracron. Um, I think most people who are probably listening or are listening to this right now are probably familiar with this watch, especially by the time it airs. Um, but it's a very, very, very exciting new type of long jeans that's going to be indicative of maybe the future direction of the brand, uh, which I think is great. So long jeans, uh, part of Swatch Group, they just came out with this new watch. It's a relaunch of the Ultracron, uh, something that they came out with in the 70s. And basically, this was a diver that was uh, featuring a high beat movement. And according to long jeans and their historic uh, um in their history department, uh, essentially, Longines is one of the first people to make a high beat dive watch, uh, and it was specifically called the Ultracron. They had an entire movement series, collection series that featured this movement, and they're bringing it back. But this time, they're upping the ante a little bit. Uh, not only are they relaunching the timepiece, it is an homage in, in many ways, according to their head of product development, because uh, it's not an exact uh, replication of the original. Um, but it's an homage to that piece, but featuring modern tech is specifically a new modern movement. So it's an Ultracron high beat movement. It has a silicon balance spring. It has components that are amagnetic. So uh, you're going to have an um, anti-magnetic uh, escape wheel, anti-magnetic uh, pallet fork, which are very important for, for magnetic resistance. And then you're going to have a new certification. So not only is this cost certified, um, it's going to be certified through an independent agency known as Time Lab, based in, I believe, Geneva. And essentially, Time Lab is measuring this particular watch to the COSC standards. But the caveat is here that they're going to take those COSC standards and test the completed final assembly watch. COSC will only test the movement. This is kind of replicating what Omega is doing. It's it's bigger brother uh, with with Metos, right? They test yeah. the watch movement at cost. They certify it as a chronometer. Then it goes into uh, fully encasing at Omega. And then it goes out to Metos for testing of the entire completed timepiece as a functional watch. The only thing missing, of course, would be a strap or a bracelet. So Longines is, is kind of replicating this. Now, they're not testing, I don't think, for, for any type of anti-magnetic stuff like, like Omega is doing. But the fact that another watch brand, you know, at a lower price point is coming out with a high beat movement with newer technology with amagnetic components and is now certifying its watches to a higher uh, range, which is now an ultra chronometer standard. Um, 
it's pretty impressive. And the price point is very surprising for all of you people who are kind of maybe teetering on the fence of getting a Grand Seiko because you want a high beat movement. Um, this part, this starts at 3,500 us, not bad. which it's not bad, man. It's, it's, it's a really, really nice looking watch. It's kind of vintage, kind of still modern, but the tech inside of this, I imagine we're going to see this kind of working its way through the rest of the Longines collection. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. I definitely like the old look. It uh, looks like a lot of divers that I regularly kind of scout on eBay late at night. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Race looks really good. I really like the red accent. I think it looks great. Obviously, the text is going to be really cool. It The name sounds a little bit like a Transformers villain. I, uh, doesn't it? <laughs> the Ultracron. The- <laughs> that's not a knock. It's just funny to me. I'm like, oh, yeah. No, dude. I know. But it was it was funny. So I was watching I was watching the video kind of recapping this with, the, with our friend Alexander Lintz. And uh, he was sitting down with the, with the head of product development at Longines and they were pronouncing this. And the way that they say this in French is just, uh, it, it sounds so good, but it's like, it's nothing that I could ever pronounce. Yeah. So basically, Ultracron is just the abbreviated version for Ultraconometer, in case that was not clear. Because that is the new standard certification for Longines, Ultraconometer. So there you go. There's your abbreviation. But they were like, Ultracron. And I was just like, um, yeah, I'm just gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna butcher that, and I did. I just did. But yeah, thirty five hundred, not too bad. And I think Longine is still a brand you can get at least somewhat of a discount on in stores. So maybe you're not paying all of that. Either way, still pretty cool. Uh, another one I had. I mean, I think it's hard to ignore the AP Rainbow. That was kind of yeah. on everybody's radar today. And it's what it's what 37 mil? I think. Either way, I'm not gonna get one. But I mean it, it, it looks pretty good. It does. I mean, I I the dial doesn't look terrible for what it's doing. Like it doesn't look like a kid's toy too much. But it kind of reminds me of it kind of reminds me of cars in like 2002, not the movie, like actual cars. Like that was when I started driving a car was in around 2002. Uh-huh. Like the Fast and the Furious trend. Like this is what's going on with watches now is you're, you're seeing like all these things like chameleon paint and like <laughs> these like funny trends that used to be like what 18 year old kids do to their cars are now coming out in watch dials and cases and things like that. It's just, it's just yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. funny to me. Different metals. And don't get me wrong. I was an 18-year-old kid. I put Euro tail lights on my Civic and Angel Eye headlights. All right. I was oh, there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was okay. there with now, everybody Now else. I know where you're going with this. Now I know where you're going with this. I got you. Okay, that makes sense. I'm just saying it reminds me of too, too Fast, Too Furious specifically, where Ludacris has like the his like mod shop, and it's just got all these redonkulously painted stuff. Like that is what's going on. Like that's what those are the dials I'm seeing now. <laughs> yeah, this, we're, 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 one, we're one degree removed from Exhibit coming out and pimping your ride. Like this is... <laughs> and and again this is this is kind of like that chameleon paint job that's right? what like I, I, that's the feeling i got from it I was yeah like, oh, yeah because yeah. it kind of transitions as you move it with the light which is pretty cool right. and i think that they did it if i'm not mistaken i think that they did it with um like laser engraving so they were able to like engrave the the dial the the, the, the tapisserie pattern somehow yeah the texturing to, is beautiful yeah it looks awesome i mean I, i'm not gonna lie now I'm not going to rock a 34 millimeter Royal Oak, 
not to mention because it's a limited edition that I will never see. And it's going to be 300 pieces, it looks like. Good so, luck. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, I would imagine. So there you go. It's it's designed a collaboration with Catalina Bucci. Um, I'm not sure who that is, but she ah, looks like... Yes. Uh, oh, she's an Italian jeweler. Um, so there you go. For all of those people who don't know who she is, inclusive of myself, she's an Italian jeweler, and she does a lot of stuff with... Looks like rainbow stones or colorways uh which makes sense with the dial so there you go okay <laughs> you know for us average lay people out here so uh last one that i got that i was really happy to see kind of dropped over the weekend and um uh, a good buddy of mine who on occasion listens to the podcast because he's a very busy person uh, was able to get kind of hands-on with this because he did the product launch photos for this particular timepiece. So I was very, very happy to see his work getting out there, becoming more mainstream. So shout out to you, buddy. You know who you are. Um, but anyway, um, Hamilton dropped a new a new launch of their watches, uh, specifically in the Khaki Navy series, uh, which is the Khaki Navy Frogman. So this is an update of a watch that they've had for a few years in the collection. Um, it kind of came out, people, you know, initially kind of gravitated, gravitated towards it because it was for Hamilton, kind of more of a, of a beefy dive watch. The problem was, is it used kind of the vintage style, like canteen crown system. Right. So you had, you know, this bigger crown that locked over top of a smaller crown. And I, I'll be honest with you. I was really wanting to buy this watch back in the day. The problem was you could never move like the canteen out of the way enough to physically like operate the crown well. So it kind of had a design flaw. It was really cool in like scope of like how it looked and the aesthetics. But when it came to actually like the functionality of this watch, it was just not not there. Um, so they came out with a new version. Uh, there's there's, I think, a collection of four watches in total um that are just it's super super cool so they've eliminated the canteen locking mechanism but it looks like in some ways that the crown actually um maybe like the crown guard kind of articulates with the crown as you're using it uh which would be very very cool but uh you get a black dial version on black rubber strap you got kind of a metal bezeled version on the bracelet with also with a black dial Black dial on an OD green rubber strap, so kind of more of a military aesthetic. And then lastly, my favorite version, which is a completely blacked out version with just the minute and the tip of the second hand in orange. The rest of the dial is in black superluminova. It, it's, it's, it's so ghosted. It's so murdered out. It looks amazing. I am so excited for this watch because I cannot wait to see them in person. I think they're going to look awesome. Yeah, that black loom is certainly sweet on those. I mean, it gives me kind of, you know, Omega 300 meter vibes, you know, like the, the ceramic black ones. I still want to see it, that one in person, that all black Seamaster. Uh, I've seen it once. And in the midst of seeing it, it was it was promptly purchased because <laughs> <laughs> somebody already had the money ready to go. And it certainly was not me. 
but I have seen one in person, and it is um, still to this day a pretty elusive unicorn in the in the collection that is Omega, according to 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 people that I know. But regardless, uh, a very cool watch nonetheless. But I think this Hamilton, you know, if you can't get something like that, this is a very cool piece. That is, it's edgy, it's sporty, it looks cool, and I think you know for I think twelve hundred dollars US. Um, you're getting a, a pretty cool watch that has a great pedigree. It's got a good style. And I think it'll be a really, really cool watch to wear every day. Yeah. I don't think it's one you have to worry too much about. You kind of just throw it on and go, right? Yeah, that's it, man. That's it. Uh, last one for me, sort of a fun choice here. Um, Maurice Lacroix came out oh, with a new yeah, diver, yeah. <laughs> right? And I sent this to you and I said, because I think this is going to cause at least a few watch people an aneurysm. Is this a Rolex copy or is it a AP copy? Because it's a green diver, which as we know, automatically makes it a Rolex copy, but it looks like an AP offshore. So what is it? I'm going to need a ruling. So person who usually tells me I'm a jackass in my inbox, feel free to weigh in on that one this week. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) I just, I need to know. Uh, you know, I, I don't know even know if I have an answer for this. I mean, I, I, we've talked about the Icon Diver before. You know, I, I do think it, it looks pretty good. Though. <laughs> I mean, and that's what I that's what I said last time when we were talking about the Icon, because, you know, we had talked about, you know, different watches that kind of have that same aesthetic. In one of the earlier podcast episodes and we brought up the Icon because, you know, it, it has that Royal Oak. It has that kind of weird, you know, kind of design to it. But it's obviously a Maurice Lacroix, right? Um, and then I know that I had mentioned this one, the, the diver version because, you know, um, a few people that I know that, you know, are in the collecting watches, they have this watch. Now, I'm not a Maurice Lacroix fan. And since I own one, I'm, I've sought out buying one. But I have respect for what they're putting out. And specifically for me, I think the Icon Diver is probably the best looking version of their collection um, that they have. And this one's a pretty good pretty good choice because i think it's 39 or 38 millimeters which is a fantastic size we're already seeing watches kind of coming down universally in size the color of green is very good because it's not like rolex green but it's it's not quite as dark as like the omega seamaster green so it's got a little bit of a of a of a color play there and i just you know i think aesthetically it's just going to be it's going to be really nice to wear so for people who aren't, you know, maybe dead set diehard watch collectors and they just want something that's going to look nice, people are going to notice it and they're going to enjoy wearing it. I think this is a fantastic choice. Did you see the uh, ocean plastic ones they released not that long ago? I did. And, and, I, and I like them. There's just not a single colorway that I was in love with myself. Most people so, dropped hate on them because I think they're quartz and they're like 700 bucks. I- I want to say. I mean, but there's a lot of quartz watches that are in that price range. Hey, if you if you don't the, like it, that was the don't complaint. like it by a Seiko. Yeah, like, that was the complaint when I said that I enjoyed what they were doing. Ew, quartz, too much money, yada yada. I mean, I, here's the thing: is like I know a lot of people that that sold them. I see them all over social media now. Whether Marisa Qua gave them away. I don't think so, but I mean, I've seen a lot of people post this watch. I see it everywhere. Um, 
it's just a cool, fun watch. And it's a watch that's not supposed to take itself too seriously. If you couldn't tell by the color palette. I mean, my God, <laughs> it's literally like the rainbow threw up. So, I mean, it's cool. I mean, that's just what it is. It's just a fun, cool watch. You know, it's like sometimes it doesn't have to be serious, guys. Come on. Like, that's where the moon swatch is still dominating the world. Can it we, doesn't always have to be fun. Can we talk about that for a minute? People are coming out with moon swatch articles now. Yes. Still. I, I don't get it. It's because it's that awesome. Yeah, but you missed the boat by a long shot. I mean, but they're coming out with articles about it now because it's still something that's at, you know, at the majority of a lot of people's mind. I mean, every time I turn around, the boys at, at Risk Check Pod are, are doing a reel or doing some type of story, and it's got a it's got a moon swatch in it. You know, it just makes me more and more jealous and salty that I don't have one. I don't know. It just feels like this was a an assignment that was due two months ago. That I mean, I I don't disagree with you. I just I think also people are trying to really understand how significant of an impact this really was for the community. Because it completely changed the entire context of watch collecting and, and watches in general. So, I mean, it's, it's insane what it did. Um, and that's why I think people are still talking about it because it's a conversation that's still being had. You know, people well, are still was, looking for it. People it's supposed still to be available it. online and it isn't. I know. And you had one and then you gave it away. That's what I do. Uh, you never told me where you got that one in the first place. I sourced it. Through I channels. Gotcha. I got gotcha. you. Okay. <laughs> we'll just we'll just leave it at that through channels. I have a particular set of skills. Yes, I know. All right. Oh, you make me so jealous. I blackmail people. That's what I do. I have a per- particular set of not skills that allow me to fail at finding watches. Oh. All right. I was well, ready. I was ready. I was so ready in Miami to get one. And then they're like, no, no, we sold out of everything. I was like, I I just called. That's a story for another day. So, we've already talked quite a bit at length about what we've been uh, what we've been doing so far today. Watches, all new releases and things. But we had another topic. So, bro, why don't you lead us into what we were kind of wanting to discuss about today's topic? Well, I think the discussion of all these newer watches kind of leads into it perfectly. In that, from my own experience. A lot of times either I'll be, you know, sitting on the couch doing the rabbit hole search on eBay or watch recon or whatever, or when I'm kind of hunting down what's on my radar, sometimes I take a little step back and I just sort of think about my own collection, sort of what I'm doing, what I have, where I'm going. And I don't know, sometimes I just take a look at it and I'm like, Am I in too deep at this point? Like I, mm. I, I like to sort of give a self-assessment of like, am I over collecting? Like that's sort of yeah. a term that I've sort of been throwing around recently is like, because, well, like, can you over collect? I think a lot of people would say no, but I think you can. Like, I, I think from yeah. a, a logical perspective, I know, first of all, it's, an, it's not a cheap hobby. You can get in deep very quick. Even if oh, you yeah, play in the sure. shallow end, you can get in deep very fast, right? Yeah, and, it, like, and it's and it's addictive too, which is the worst part. Yeah, that 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 hit when uh, 
your package gets delivered, there's a few things like it, right? <laughs> that dopamine rush is like, oh, I mean. baby. Where's my box cutter? Right. So sort of how much is too much? And at what point are we over collecting? I guess. Yeah. Hmm. What's your take on it? I mean, I definitely think you can over collect. I mean, yeah. like I said, if things add up fast, even cheap watches, you don't realize, I mean, hundred bucks here, 200 bucks there. I mean, it's it like adds anything. Up quick. Yeah, it's like anything. It's like, you know, being addicted to shopping, right? You're like, oh, you know, what's a what's a $20 Amazon package here? You know, oh, you know, I'll get it on Prime next week. And, oh, there's this new deal that came up and it's 50 bucks. And, like, all of a sudden you're like, I spent $3,000 on Amazon in two weeks. Like, how did this happen? Well, that's right? what I'm like, saying, right? Like, you, like, put it this way. So, if you had a five dollars $600 car payment a month, right, you'd be sitting in something like a BMW. Right, exactly. So... Not that you necessarily spend five, six hundred on a watch every month, but like, all right, you buy a nine hundred dollar watch one month, you buy a two hundred dollar watch the next month, right? You buy a Joker little Casio sixty bucks or whatever, hundred bucks next month. Okay. Oh man, this just dropped. Oh, it's a limited. I'm gonna snag it. You know, eighteen hundred. Next thing you know, you average it out over the twelve months of the year, and you're like, damn, I really spent like eight hundred dollars a month on watches. Yeah. If yeah. You, yeah, I mean, certainly from the financial aspect, I think that there's there's certainly a financial aspect of being over collecting, right? Like just like it just from a monetary standpoint, like you're you're you get to the point where you start hoarding. And I think at every at every collector at one stage or another goes to this this point where they're like, I have too much stuff. It's not my taste anymore. It was maybe at one time. And you start to reevaluate the collection and you start to let pieces go. Right. You start to like, okay, let me thin the herd a little bit. Let me move some stuff out to make ways for some new stuff. Or let me move some stuff out because I just need to funnel myself back down to a more manageable size. Right. I mean, I, I look at my watch box, you know, you know, every once in a while, I'm like, man, I got a lot of watches and I got watches I don't wear, like period. Yeah. But I'm just not one of those people that's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell it. Like, what am I gonna sell it for? You know, I got like vintage stuff in there that needs a service. You know, I got some other stuff. It's like, even if I did sell it, like, what am I going to sell for 30 bucks, like a yeah. hundred bucks? Like, it's not, it's not even worth it. It's more cost and time myself to do it than it is actually just to keep it. You know what I mean? But I think certainly you can get to a point of, of over collecting because you start to, you start to hoard things. You know, it's straps, it's it's accessories, it's watch rolls, it's, you know, whatever, NATO straps, per, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. You just get to this point where now it's obsessive and you have you have extras and extras and extras and extras of the same types of things. And I don't know when you stop. Because like now, I mean, we just talked about new watches that dropped, right? A couple of those watches I could actually see myself personally owning. But add that to the long list of watches that dropped six months ago that I still want. Right. You know, like, I, I don't know when it stops. Yeah. And I, I feel like the way 
collecting works. And don't get me wrong, I know a lot of people sell things. And believe it or not, selling the cost of selling takes a little chunk out of what you're getting back. It's not like, oh, well, I sold it for what I bought it for. Every time you're buying a box, you're buying shipping supplies. Correct. Right. You have to go to and from the post office at it's your time as well. (laughs) Right. Like it it's not some easy zero sum game to oh I bought it and I sold it for the same I'm good whatever like it's still a cost right yeah still a cost to that but I just feel like part of collecting and part of all these drops of popular watches no matter how cool and or maybe cheap they are they add up like when you were talking about hoarding the first thing that popped in my mind was time xq I feel like yeah. everybody probably has one in their watch box just kind of sitting there ticking away. Yeah. I mean, I'd be curious to know how many people wear them regularly. Not that, that yeah. defines your collection or anything, but I would like to think that if I own something, I'm going to give it some run. Yeah. I mean, I, it, my Q is one of those watches that I have to make a point to wear. You know, it's like, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is my everyday watch. No, because I'm wearing a Speedmaster. Like, that's that's what I wear every day for the most part, right? Especially since I've got it, you know, last year. It's the one I keep constantly wear. I just don't, I, I never really take it off. But despite that fact, like, you know, when I when I have a, something like a Q or or something that's kind of, you know, like I have a Seiko Patty Turtle, you know, like fantastic watch. People would be lucky enough to have one. But it's not a watch I wear regularly. I find occasions to wear, like Memorial Day, right? I decided we were going to take my daughter to the pool. I wore my Seiko Patty 62 Moss. It's a watch I probably haven't worn maybe two or three times in the last year. And I was like, this is a perfect colorway. It's a yep. perfect way to celebrate <laughs> the occasion. Like, why not? Like, when else am I going to wear this? So pull it out of the box, wind it up, let it rip. And, and here we go. You know, so it, it just gets to a point where, like, you have to, like, make the decision to do it. But it's also kind of that that razor's edge is like, is it too much now? Because should you have a more manageable collection where maybe you have a different watch for every single day of the week? And that's kind of the extent of the collection. Or if I have to purposely make time for a watch, like, does it really belong? Yeah. If I I have to go out of my way to find an excuse to put it on. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very valid, it's a very valid point. Now I will say this in my defense, you know, kind of the nature of my own business is what I do for work makes it very difficult to wear all my watches all the time, just because I'm constantly having to take them off, constantly having to switch them out. And it's just because of the nature of you know doing what I do that, you know, I'm not always constantly wearing a watch. So it makes the time between watches a little bit more spread out. Not that I don't want to be wearing a watch. It's just sometimes I physically cannot do it, right? So that's when, for me, the watch has become a little bit more purposeful. But I think about other people that have like, you know, like a typical nine to five job, right? Like somebody is literally going to wake up in the morning, get some breakfast, get coffee, get dressed for work, drive to work, sit at a cubicle, type on a computer all day, and then come home at five or six o'clock, right? That person can wear whatever the hell watch that they want for ever. Right. Right. Like you and I, we have jobs that are demanding. Like you're over here just crushing lobster skulls like every single weekend. Like this is crazy. 
you have to be very cognizant about your watch because you're not going to wear something you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna get this watch stinky with lobster guts like i'm probably not going to wear my grand seiko on a suede leather strap right right you know like so you have to be more cognizant based on what you're doing but you know somebody who who works from home or you know is is traveling doing a very you know business type job where maybe it's not so demanding that your watch really matters um i don't you know i think people like that have a better opportunity to wear their watches constantly you know what i mean like if i had a nine-to-five job and it worked in an office i'd wear a different watch every single day because i could you know there would be nothing stopping me yeah i would say i certainly collect with a little bit of that aspect built in like when i saw these little Seiko Solars, I was like, this is an ideal watch for me. Yeah. It's always going to be taking. I could wear it at work without a care in the world. And beat the crap out of it. And it is going to be great on rubber, which is my preferred strap because I can just wash it underwater. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you still have to sterilize stuff in the kitchen. It's hot. Yeah. It's sweaty. It's and I can't gross. lie. NATO straps are just doomed to get stained with either, you know, anything tomatoey, blood, yeah, uh, you know, any kind Food. of brown sauce. Yeah, you're yeah. you're you're done. Like NATO straps are just not worth it. Same with obviously your leathers. So like bracelet you can get away with, but there's a lot of little crevices and yeah, I really don't like when my my bracelets look dirty. Yes, like when you got to toothbrush them because the in between the links is like a little crusty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not so about that. So rubber straps, I've got like a really large collection of Tropics now and different uh, Uncle, Uncle Seiko's and stuff like that that I work in all over the place. But um, that's kind of my go-to. But I sort of think about that when I buy watches is that like would I be comfortable wearing this to work or, you know, roughhousing with the kids in the yeah exactly the little water yeah. table outside they have, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, that's that's what we do. Like, again, I was taking my daughter to the pool. Like, I'm not going to wear, you know, the craziest, you know, grand complication watch to do that. Like, I'm going to put on my Seamaster. I'm going to put on my 62 Moss. I'm going to put on something and I'm going to go because I'm going to I'm going to use it. You know, every single time that I've gone diving, I've worn my Seamaster 300 on every single dive that I've ever done. And we're talking well over 100 dives now. Jeez. But. You know, I don't baby it like it, it looks scratched to hell. It's beat up. It's dented. It's it's used, but it's because I know it's going to be dependable and do the job, you know, but the same thing is true when with when you think about a watch like that, like I know that there's certain circumstances in my job that I can't wear all the watches that I want to wear all the time, you know, and same thing with you. You have to be cognizant about what you are wearing and when you're and how you're wearing it. Right. Like, I mean, you could probably wear your grand Seiko to work, but you're going to put it on a rubber. You're going to put it on something like that. And not to say that you would do it, but you could if you really wanted to. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm not going to cover that bad boy in lobster guts. No, definitely don't want to damage that Zerazi polishing on some dumb surface that, <laughs> that I don't. <laughs> yeah. Get to. All the stainless steel prep tables everywhere. Right. It's like, that's the other thing. Too that's my paper, expand. my paper pushing watch. <laughs> I, that's the other thing that nobody understands about like commercial kitchens. Like there's just nothing but steel. Everything is everywhere. metal. <laughs> Everything is metal. It's like you just bump it. And you're like, oh, it's not. It's like, oh, God, I have destroyed this lug chamfer. It is done. Like it's. Oh, man. Send my watch to L.A. Watchworks and have them. 
have them uh, laser weld my stuff back together. <laughs> oh, it's bad. It's bad. But no, I think uh, getting back to kind of what we we're talking about, I think you can certainly over collect. I think, um, you know, I think it's kind of something that's different for everybody. Like once you hit that stage, you know, but like for me, I always want new stuff. Like I, I think I, everybody I, does. Part I mean, of the I've nature been, of the beast. Yeah, I've been wearing this Speedmaster for for a year now, or, or close to a year now, and I've loved every single minute of it. It's been a fantastic timekeeper. It's spot on. I think it's two seconds a day. Like it is fantastic. But I always look and I was like, you know what? It's not a Seamaster 300 meter. It's not you know this Ultracron. It's not a Longines Legend Diver. Like there, there's so many other things that I constantly keep wanting to add to the collection that, uh, that I don't know, maybe I will at some point, maybe I should just offload some stuff and then buy something. I don't know, but selling is not just not really my bag. Yeah. And sort of what we were talking about before is that I guess that practicality is something you lose when you're in that over collecting phase, right? You, you sort of make excuses in your head for, Oh, I'll wear this for, certain activities or I can wear this when I do this. And like, yep, you know, a guy like me, I, I really have no use for a, a true dress watch. Yeah. I just don't have one. I don't have a use for it. Yeah. So telling myself, Oh, I'll wear this when I dress up is like, it's, it's just a, a fallacy it, that I'm trying yeah, to convince it's a lie, myself. It's a lie that we, t- we tell ourselves. Right. So I'm just trying to justify myself making a purchase and I'll catch myself doing that time to time. And I'll, I usually make an adjustment. I'm like, no, this is a bad idea. I just want this because it's new and shiny. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I mean, that's the problem. That's, that's the good thing. And the problem with watch collecting is there's always something new and shiny. That's going to come down the pipe. And these brands keep pumping out cool stuff that makes us want to buy it. And it just keeps, you know, adding to the long list of, of, priorities or whatever you want to add to your collection next and that's that's my big problem there's always something new that's coming out that, that, that i want and that i have to have and it just keeps getting added to the list so we'll see well i'll throw you an interesting pickle i got myself into mentally recently is that for a long time i've wanted something precious metal e something in the gold rose gold something like yeah, that. yeah yeah and like I said, I really just don't have a use for a dress watch. And to have a solid gold watch for what they cost sitting and rotting my box would really just be sad. Sad. Exactly. So this got me thinking of something I had never, ever even considered before because it just seemed like an automatic no. But like, is that the ideal spot for maybe something? in like the gold capped realm. Cause I'm never gonna, like I said, I'm, I'm not gonna wear it often enough to justify a solid metal, precious metal watch, but a gold, whatever you wanna call it, gold cap, gold build, whatever watch that probably doesn't cost nearly as much, but still looks pretty badass. might be more excusable which is something that I've never, ever considered because I'm always like, well, why would I get a, a capped watch when I could just get a solid watch? It's much cooler. Yeah. I mean, the, the only, the only justification for this would be if you're getting a modern gold capped watch, like something like a Tudor, right? Like, uh, 
you know, a Tudor, you know, two-tone Beethoven or something yeah. like that. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Cause it's, you know, it's a Tudor. It's going to be good. Now, if you go vintage, stay away from it with a 10 foot pole, just because a lot of those platings were done over not so great materials. Yeah. You know, like you had a lot of like base metals that weren't steel, things like that. So over time, just corrosion eats that stuff away. It exposes it to the elements. The cases are corroded. You can't fix them. It's it's a pain in the butt. Now, as far as I understand, the gold capping that uh, the Tudor's doing is over steel. So, I mean, you're not going to have so much of an issue with that. And and it, you're getting other components, too, that are solid gold. Like, I know the bezels are on the S&Gs. Like, the bezel rings themselves are solid gold. The Baytona has the, the pushers and the crown that are right, solid the crown, gold. I was going to say. So, so, you have those components. So, if you're going to go with that and you're flirting with that idea, yeah, go that way. I think that would be a cool way to do it. But other than that, I don't know of another brand that is doing gold capping that is high quality enough to do it, right? And just so everyone understands the distinction, right? When you gold plate something, basically you're attracting a pigmentation of gold to a material, right? It's, it's, a, it's adhering on a molecular level. I you're believe limiting- it is the redox reaction. Okay, there you go. Oxidation redu- reduction, I believe. Okay. So there you go. So usually for my understanding, you know, you charge the material with one thing, you charge the, the, the other, the gold material with another thing and they attract to each other and they're deposited. And it's a thin layer. Typically over the, over the history, it's been about like 20 microns or something like that of gold. It's deposited over top, but it can scratch off. It can wear off when you taking something and you're gold capping it. You're literally taking a layer of gold and you're moving it or bending it around a material. So it's literally a solid layer that's been like laid over top, right? So think of it like the top of a, you know, a pie crust, right? Like you're laying it over the pan and it's covering the entirety of the pie before you trim off the excess, right? It's like, like that's you dip something in idea. chocolate. Exactly, exactly. You're, you're depositing a full layer on it. So if you go that way, doing a modern gold capping, that's a way to go. Gold filling, gold plating, all of that stuff, PVD. DLC, I'm not a huge fan of just because it is likely and prone to wear. So it was it was an interesting it was an interesting place to work in a type of watch that I had never ever ever which one were you thinking about? Nothing in specific. I was just thinking about how badly I wanted something in actual gold, but then I was like but, but here's but here's my caveat to this, and I, and maybe this is what we'll, where we'll leave our listeners. Is it something that if you buy it, you're going to resent it for not buying the thing you actually want? I mean, that's always a question. Because for me, that is always the question I ask myself. Am I settling? And if I'm settling, should I just keep holding out for what I actually want or make the mental decision that this is how it's going to be? Because that was my biggest advice to anybody when I was selling watches. I said, you know, if we, if we ever got into the scenario where we were between two watches and one was more expensive than the other, but that's the one the client, you know, really wanted. I could tell that they wanted it. A lot of times I would tell them and say, look, this is the one that I know you want. I can read it. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your body language. Like, this is the one that you want. But this one will be an equally good option for you. 
The problem is what I don't want you to do is make the decision here now to buy this one because it's less expensive or because of this extra amount of reason when you really want the other one. Because ultimately what's going to happen is you're not going to wear it because you don't really love it. You're not in love with it in the point where you want to put it on every single day. And there's going to grow a level of resentment for that particular piece. And it's just going to sit in the watch box. Right. That's what I tell everybody. Like, If it takes more time, if it takes, you know, more effort, fine. Do that. You know, because ultimately you're going to love wearing that watch. Because it, it's going to mean more. So if that means you hold out and you buy that sudden speedy and maybe you only wear it a couple times, cool. But I would, I would, here's, here's the way that I'd look at it. If you bought something like that, knowing you, you'd probably wear it all the time. See, that's, that's, that's a more of a sporty watch. So I would wear that probably every single day. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that I, if it was me knowing what you've talked about and what you've told me offline, I mean, that's the watch to get period. So if you getting a, something that's gold capped or, or two-tone or whatever would be a concession for that, if you're mentally okay with it, sure, go for it. But if you're going to resent it or potentially resent not really getting the real thing that you want, I wouldn't do it. And now I think that plays back into our topic under the idea of, I find a lot of times we overcollect when we are scratching itches. Yes. So like we, we have a need to fill, right? Whether it be, you're trying to fill out the categories in your collection. I need a chronograph. I need a Jeez. diver, or you're saying I've always wanted, you know, an explorer. Okay. Let me get a, a Nevada Grinch and super Antarctic and I'll just call it a day. And then you're like, yeah, but I really want an explorer. It's like, well, then why are you, well, why wouldn't you just save up every time you go to buy one of these watches and go for it? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I know Rolexes are hard to come by. I'm not a fool. It was just an example, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there's also that caveat too. Cause, cause that's the other thing I, I realized in, in what I was saying is like, yeah, just hold up for the one thing you really want. There's some things you'll never get. So now, yeah, now it <laughs> you is much, have to be much, realistic that way much too. harder than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You it used to be, to be just save up. Be friendly with the AD, work on a discount, pretend to do the thing where you're going to leave and hope they stop you. Like, it's not that anymore. <laughs> no, no. They're like, okay, you can leave now. I have 20 other Next. people on the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. But no, I think long story short, I think you can over collect. I think, you know, this is an internal struggle for us all to, to kind of evaluate where we're at in our collections. And, you know, that's why the collections, you, you move stuff in, you move stuff out, you, you switch stuff around, you know, our tastes are changing even as we get older. I mean, I have drastically different tastes now as a collector than I did, you know, 10 years ago. And that is okay. I'm happy to do that. And I'm sure my collection will probably reflect a very different collection 10 years from now compared to comparative to today. So those are types of things that change. I mean, you know, we change. I look at my wardrobe now and I'm like, yeah, I'm wearing things that I would have punched myself in the face for 15 <laughs> years ago. I'm like, you look like a dad now. Yeah, I am one. So this is why we wear stuff that we wear. You know, it's like it changes, you know, your priorities and things change. So um, I think that's all good. That's why it makes collecting fun. That's why it's exciting. And as watch brands continue to, to pump out new stuff, I think, uh, that's pretty amazing, 
it keeps us going. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now sort of on the other side of that is that building a collection is a bit of trial and error. Yeah. You know, there's nobody who just buys three watches and is like, Hey, that's it. I nailed it. I've, I've reached, I've reached the peak. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely 100% right. There's, I don't know, man. I it's. I don't think you can hit it out of the park, you know, on the first try. And and it's funny. I always think about that one time that like I could have lived in blissful ignorance. You know, when you it's you ever meet that like one guy who just has a nice watch because like it's a thing to do, and it's always it's just, somebody's boss. In my experience, it's always like one of my friends' bosses. Like, oh yeah, my boss. He's a cool guy. He wears a speedy triple date, and that's it. That's all he's got. Yeah. And I'm like, and hey, he's just he did been, good. He's, he did good on his first try. And he's just been wearing it for like 15 years. Yeah. And it's just been like the watch every single day, day in, day out. Like, and he's never wanted something different or wanted more. It's just he's that's his watch. Like, I wish that I could go back and live in that blissful ignorance and just be like, you know, the 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 epitome representation of the one watch collector. You know what I mean? Like, that's yes. the guy who's got the one watch collection. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Funny aside about the whole triple date thing. That was a real story. Um, one of my friends had a boss who had a speedy triple date. And to not show him up, my friend would not wear nicer watches than that to the office because he was in constant contact with him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he made a comment about it one day. And the guy made some stupid remark like, well, if you work hard, maybe you can get a nice watch like this one. Meanwhile, he has like a, a legit speedy, like at home and like some other nice stuff. And he's like, oh, my God, oh, you clown. No. <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing is like he set himself up for failure on that one. because like, oh. He can never go back. You know, it's like this whole time, boss, I've been wearing nicer watches than you. See, that's 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 just a no go. You know, that's just that's just bad territory. But. I don't know, man. That's all I got. You got anything else? No, that's probably a good place to stop. But just it's it's just something I think a lot of us do in our journey. We kind of look at you look at the box, you look at yourself, you look at what you're hunting down these days, and you're just like, man, am I am I too far in? Oh yeah, we're like, all too far in at this point. I mean, look here here's the way that I gauge my my too far inness. We started a podcast about yeah. just, this is how too far gone we both are. Our spouses, our friends, they're just like, okay, go to the internet and you can talk watches amongst your other internet friends because you're done here. Like we can't keep having these conversations. So for me, whenever I think about, no, I'm just, I'm just a passionate watch collector. No, you literally started an entire separate entity of your life that's dedicated to producing content for watches. That's how far in you are. Live with that. I knew I was too far in when one of the local jewelers met my my mother just by happenstance and like, I love fan, this story. fangirled to her. <laughs> I love this story so much when he told it. It's so funny to me. Have I ever told it on her? I, I don't know if you have. I know you've told it to me before. I can't and remember our either. Friends. I don't want to repeat it if not. But either way, my, my mother does a lot of uh, charity work and she was at an event that happened to feature watches from a local jeweler and was showing them off. And the guy turns around her and he goes, do you know anything about watches? And she jokingly says to the guy, well, my son is Brodinky. He was like, what? She's like, yeah. And she was like astonished. She's like, I'll be honest. 
she goes it it felt like i was beyonce's mom like this dude was <laughs> at a meltdown and i was like ma it ain't that serious like i'm not <laughs> i'm definitely not beyonce <laughs> hey but you know what you are meme lord so aka number one dr jones number one there you go but yeah still a funny story a funny story oh. lives lives in my household next to my grandfather's macaroni story <laughs> Still think about that every day. So every day since you told me that, I'm just like, yeah, that dude stirring the pot at the top. There we yeah. go. That was Always. her dad. I told her. I told her. I told that story. She was like, oh my god, it's so nice. Yeah. Well, there you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out with us for yet another episode of the Risk Cheese Radio Podcast. We sincerely appreciate all of you guys. Thank you so much for the engagement, the content, the sharing, and messaging us every single week when we drop a new episode. Um, it's been a sincere pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to episode 33. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Deuces. Out.